One of the things that you've heard me say over the last five weeks is like, at least in some of the side conversations, that this whole dating series, Single Ready to Mingle, it always gives me a little bit of uh, heartburn, right? Because I know that I'm not single ready to mingle. Like I'm, I'm beyond that moment. But I also know that this subject brings up, can, can bring up a lot of baggage, a lot of insecurity, a lot of fear. And so we're, as we prepared this series, we're like, what's on their mind? What's, what should we talk about? What should we cover each week? And so we've, we've covered, uh, is it five weeks? Five weeks, I believe now. And so this is week six where we actually get to answer what's on your mind. And so you guys texted in. Was it text or was it? Text, Instagram. We, had we, like we got all the replies. questions. So yeah. we're gonna get right into this. And here's what we're gonna do. We, we say this at the beginning of every week. The Bible does not talk about dating. The Bible does not talk about when to break up. The Bible does not talk about a lot of these things because it did not exist back in that day. So we're gonna take these questions and we have discussed them, we've prayed over them, and we're gonna try and give you the best to our ability, a biblical view of the questions that you're asking, okay? Some of this is gonna be straight from God's word. Some of it's gonna, just gonna be kind of our collective wisdom and observation of life and how things have gone, uh, good, bad, and ugly, and kind of give you, hey, this is the, maybe a wise thing to do. So, with that said, what's our first question, Mary Ashton? Real quick, do you guys like Andy's sweater? It's nice, it's got glitter. Good. Hey, okay. when, you, when your boss gives you something to wear, you wear it, okay? That's true. That's all Bill, Bill thank search. you. Give him a high five <laughs> later. Okay, so we're going to jump into this. I just also want to say, I think that this is probably going to be, like, funny. Y'all might hear some of these questions and laugh, and that's okay. Like, or our responses, I think it's okay that this is lighthearted. We're sitting down. We're having a conversation. We're so, trying to be winsome. We're trying to be winsome in our cool, trendy chairs. If you don't, listen to last week's message. You'll figure out winsome. Yeah, winsome. We're be winsome Anyways, tonight. so this is supposed to be fun. Let's not take it too terribly seriously. Uh, but thanks for listening with us. First question, is online dating a good or bad idea, since that's the way so many people our age are dating? Well, <laughs> should we just do a poll? Let's just do this. Let's, let's go here, here, here. What do you think? What do you guys think? Here, here. Mixed. Okay. Okay. Yeah. All right. Here's the deal. I mean, I, like my opinion, like, I mean, th this, this is new technology, right? This is a new way to date. And I know many of you are engaged in this kind of dating. And that's like, there's nothing, like I said, there's nothing in the Bible that's going to say online dating is against God's will. Okay. That verse is not in the Bible. But what I will say is this, is you're gonna pick your problems, okay? We've talked over and over about who to date. We've talked about when to date. We've talked about who not to date. We've talked about all those things. And one of the things that online dating does is it takes away all the safeguards. And you're making a pretty big decision on very, very little information. And so, can it work? Yeah. Has it worked? Absolutely. I think we were talking about like, what's the, the ratio of? And so I like, I think I know one friend that has dated and gotten married off of a dating app. And I know about, I don't know, 30, 40 other stories of where it's ended in like heartbreak, hurt, suffering, those kinds of things. And that's like all of dating. Dating's hard. Um, I just think with dating apps, it is kind of what Andy's saying. You're picking your problems. Um, Proverbs 4.23 says, above all else, guard your heart for everything you do flows from it. And just this idea that we have to protect our hearts. And I think it's really easy on a dating app to sit there and swipe and swipe and swipe and swipe and just be looking, uh, particularly for girls, but I'm sure for guys too, for 
affirmation um, for somebody to choose you and want you in this quick fix in our brain um, to get attention or hope for a relationship that may not be there. So I think there are just some things about dating apps that are hard on your heart. Um, and that sounds kind of cliche, I feel like, but there really is that element of you've got to guard your heart. And um, I think there is also just something kind of hard about looking on an app um, at other like children of God and being like, nope, yes. Like that's just hard. And so it's not a matter of, is it a sin? It's just, it's like, can your heart handle it? Is well, it I think wise? like in gray areas like this, cause like this, it's not cut and dry. Like there's not like, I mean, you're gonna find people who are like, absolutely go for it. Like, I mean, I, yeah, I know those people that are like, go for it, put yourself out there, right? But I think here's a good rule of thumb that I use in my life is when the answer is not obviously right or wrong, like that may not be the right question to ask, is it right or is it wrong? Maybe the best question you can ask is, is this a wise thing to do? Like that might help kind of wade through some of the ambiguity of what are the, cha- like what are the chances? How have I seen this go for other people? Like those kind of things. And like I said, like you're taking away all the things that you would make a wise choice on and you're making a choice on one image and a very well-crafted statement of advertisement, right? And so, you pick your problems. Use, use wisdom as you go about it. You Can you do it? Yes. Should you do it? I don't know. I'm not gonna encourage my daughter to do it, but you're not my daughter. So uh, it's a free country. You can do what you want, but be wise when you do it, all right? Okay, number two. Um, how do you get to know someone you're interested in as a friend, like we talked about last week, rather than jumping straight to going on a date? If you don't have mutual friends, there's not a way to casually get around them. How do you get to know someone you're interested in as a friend? I love the phrase in this question that when there's not a casual way to just hang out with them. Because here's, like, this may sound trite, but talk to them. <laughs> like, this is not rocket science. I think sometimes we overthink and overanalyze, like, how can we take every chance of embarrassment, heartache, and awkwardness away? And you can't. There's no fail-safe way to put yourself out there. And so go talk to them. We have open seating at the gathering. Go sit by them. We're gonna have an after party, go talk to them. Ask them what they do, where they work, why they work there, do they like their job? Like just be interested in them and put yourself in their proximity, like increase the proximity. And so I think sometimes when we we think about this, like there's not a casual way. No, there's not a casual way. Especially if you're walking up thinking like, this could be my spouse. Like it's instantly no longer casual, right? Like all of a sudden now there's pressure. It's like, just go talk to them. They're a brother or sister in Christ and say, hey, I've seen you around here, my name's so-and-so, how's it going? Like, just go talk to them. I don't think it needs to be this like well-crafted equation of emotions and timing and, and then just be gracious to one another. When someone comes to talk to you, engage them. Like, they're your brother and sister in Christ. It Should probably wasn't easy. Did you use pickup lines? What's that? Did you use pickup lines? I mean, some people like that. Yeah, I mean, know. some people like some serious cheese ball. It's you true, know, you like, never know. I mean, hey. Okay, next question. Um, how do we be single well over the holidays when you're the only single sibling or cousin at the table? And I'm going to take this one because this is Go for it. my life currently. <laughs> I am the only single one at the table when I go home for Thanksgiving. It's like a table of 11, five couples and me. And my, you know, my siblings and my cousins all are dating people and that is awesome and so there is this pressure I think when you go home over the holidays all your relatives are like so is there someone special 
And you're like, no, no, they'd be here. Um, and there is just like that sense of pressure. And I think it's really easy to um, get down on yourself in those times. And I think the enemy loves to dogpile that and just be like, you're not worthy. You're not good enough. You're never going to have someone. You're going to be alone, like all that stuff. And it's so easy to get self-focused in those moments. And I hope this doesn't sound trite either, but I think the best way to battle that is to truly um, praise the Lord for the people that your siblings, your cousins, whoever do have, and just to be like, I am so thankful that they have found their person. And Lord, like, I hope to find my person, but it has not happened yet. And I'm going to trust you with the timing of that and take it and flip it and use it as a renewing of your mind every single time. I mean, it should be like a spiritual, like weight room when you go home. Cause it's like, okay, I got to take these thoughts captive. Second Corinthians 10 five, that we are destroying every speculation and every lofty thing raised up against the knowledge of God and taking every thought captive to the obedience of Christ and just actively choosing to do that rather than to sit here and have a pity party. Um, Cause it's really, really, really easy to do. So I would say that I would also say when the random aunt and uncle are like, so still alone? And you're like, yes, I am. And um, I think that's a great opportunity to talk about God. I don't know about y'all, but my whole family are not believers. And so it's an opportunity to say like, I am, that I'm trusting the Lord at it's not the right time and that he's going to bring someone in that time. It's a great segue to talk about God and to share your And I think a practical piece to that is like, I think sometimes our insecurities and our fears when that, like you're driving home anticipating this conversation, that we start to hear people and we feel like they're casting shame on us. When most people who are gonna ask that question actually care about you, and they actually think you're awesome, and that's why they're asking, right? They're, they're on your side, they're like, hey, are you, are you, you have anybody? Why not, I can't believe somebody like you is still single, right, that line? Like, we need to assume the best of, of people and say, you know what, they're for me. They're not attempting to cast shame or embarrassment or some sort of whatever. And I think Mary Ashton's right on the, like on money, we got to take that thought because one, some of us are just like, I know, I can't believe it. I'm no one loves me. I'm unlovable. It will never happen for me. You know, like we just go down this 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 trail of just lies. And instead of just saying, no, 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 stop that thought right there. I know that my grandma loves me and wants the best for me, and that's why she's asking. And so then you turn it like Mary Ashton says, like, you know what? No, not right now. But I trust God. He's it's going to be okay. He's going to work all things out for the good of those who love Him. Right. And so then you take it from a shame uh, train to a, let's put this on God and trust him and display my faith in an active and real way, so. it's good, okay, next one. How far is too far physically? What is a biblical boundary in a relationship? Um, and yeah, this is one that is just prevalent. I think we've probably all asked or thought that question at some point in our lives of how far is too far? What does that mean? Like when we're supposed to have good boundaries um, in dating, if you're dating someone or if you have in the past. And it's one of those things where we're probably asking the wrong question. Um, I'm just going to read these scriptures because I feel like they speak for their, themselves. But 1 Thessalonians 4, 3 and 5, 3 through 5, it'll be on the screen. Um, it says, for this is the will of God, your sanctification, that is that you abstain from sexual immorality, that each of you know how to possess his own vessel in sanctification and honor, not in lustful passion like the Gentiles who do not know God. 1 Corinthians 6, 18 through 20 says, flee immorality. Every other sin that a man commits is outside the body, but the immoral man sins against his own body. Or do you not know that your body is a temple of the Holy Spirit who is in you, whom you have from God, and that you are not your own? For you have been bought with a price, therefore glorify God in your body. 
Um, and it's one of those things when we say how far is too far, it's a totally fair question, but we're kind of saying like, how close can I get to sin without doing it? Um, versus where the scripture is saying, run away, like flee, like get up and go away from sin. Don't dance with it. Um, and I think it is just one of those things that it talks about in First Corinthians that um, every other sin that a person commits is outside the body, but the immoral man sins against his own body. Um, and that's one of those things where I'll just share like from personal experiences that like sexual sin is different than regular sin. Um, and it affects you for a long time. Like science has proven this. It's caught up to the concept of the Bible that um, when you have any form of sexual sin with someone, that's anything from beyond kissing to sex. You guys know what I'm talking about. Um, that is gonna bond you with that person. And it makes it a lot harder. Um, when you break up, you're gonna go through way more pain, way more suffering, way more challenging. A lot of you know this because you've experienced it. Um, and it's sad and it's hard. And it's one of those things, whether you've been broken up for a month or three months or three years, it can still come up in your brain. And so I think this is one of those things where scripture and God isn't saying like, don't mess around with this because it's, we want to take all the fun with you. He's like, don't do this because it's not best for you. I promise. Um, he doesn't want us to have to suffer um, for a long time. So if that's you, if that's your story, if you've fallen into sexual sin, you are not alone. I just think we can't really move past this um, without talking about God's grace. And Romans 8.1 says, therefore, there is now no condemnation for anyone who is in Christ Jesus. Like we have been redeemed. We have been set free. Uh, we get to run in our freedom and the grace of God. Um, but we also get to practice wisdom and saying, no more. I'm not going back to that. We're going to have firm, solid boundaries so that we don't fall into any form of sexual sin. Well, and I think, and I mean, I've, you've heard my thoughts over the last five weeks on this stuff. Um, but here, here's a couple questions that we need to, I would suggest you ask yourself when it comes to the details of like, well, what about this? And what about this? Um, because we could stand up here and, or sit up here and discuss every possible scenario we're just not gonna do that. Here's what, here's what I wanna offer you. Ask this question. Can we do blank and glorify God? Like, that's a good question to ask when it comes to how far is too far, what's allowable? Because I agree with Mary Ashley. Like, that's probably the wrong question to ask. Like, that's, like, that's a question that comes from an over-hypersexual culture that says this is the goal of relationship. Well, 1 Thessalonians says God's will for you is your sanctification, not your sexual gratification. Like that's not God's will for you. His will is sanctification. And so asking yourself a question like, can we do blank and glorify God? Or can I, or can we do this and it will draw, will this draw me closer to God or put a wall and a barrier between me and the Lord? Right? Like those are the questions we should be asking. Not how close can I get to sin without it burning me? Right? Like I, I even start, I've already talked about this with my kids. Like it's the fireplace example. Like fire's great when it's in the fireplace. Outside the fireplace, it is going to destroy. And our world talks about sex as this casual, like you have to have it to survive. And that's a, a worldly sexual ethic. The biblical ethic is that God has created something so wonderful that actually when we have sex, it actually physically and chemically bonds us to another person. And that's why pornography is so dangerous because it starts to train your mind to be bonded to an image, not a person. And so we gotta start asking ourselves these questions of 
is this going to honor the other person I'm with and glorify God? Can we do this and go to God's glory? Does this draw me closer to the Lord when we engage in this activity? Those are good questions, good practical questions. I know you're, you shared a story earlier about your brother asking you a question. Oh yeah, my little brother really asked tangible. me, yeah, what, how far is too far, which is hilarious that he asked me that. Um, but he did. And I was like, William, if you would like want to punch a guy in the face for doing that with me or that happening and you like finding out about it, like don't do it. Which is just like a funny, like silly way. But yeah. if you're not comfortable talking to your parents about it, you probably shouldn't be doing it in a dating relationship. Well, in Ephesians 5, 3 says, as Christians, there should not even be a hint of sexual immorality. That's not what God's people are about. And so I think when we ask this question, it's one that I've heard my whole life. I asked it when I was in high school and in college and when I was doing student ministries, this is a question. How far is too far? We wanna know how close we can get to the edge without falling off. And the biblical sexual ethic is, no, that's, not, that's the wrong way to look at it. Don't get so close that you fall off, run away. Save this for the way God intended it to be in the fireplace of marriage so that you were bonded to that person for a lifetime. Like, I think this is where Satan loves to try and convince you because of the world we live in that God's withholding from you. And instead, like 1 Corinthians 7, we talked about last week, no, love is always protecting. And God is protecting us by giving us a boundary of what sex looks like for humanity. And it's in, in the, the confines of marriage. So those are just some questions, some scriptures that we thought were, would be helpful answering that question. What's, what we got next? Um, next question. What can girls expect from guys regarding purity? Uh, is it realistic to expect men to not participate in porn and or masturbation? Yes, that is a very healthy, realistic expectation. Here's where I, this breaks my heart a little bit. Um, is that this question is being asked because our culture has tried to get us to buy two lies and we've bought these two lies hook, line, and sinker. The first lie is this, that men cannot function without sex. That's the first lie. The second lie is that men have absolutely no self-control. That's, that's the message that is being sent in our culture because pornography and masturbation have become a punchline in sitcoms. Like it's just kind of the norm, right? And so what saddens me about this is we've, we, we buy into lies like, well, yeah, we have to have sex to survive, and guys have no self-control. They have to follow their urges. They're just animals. And again, the biblical sexual ethic would say, no, that is not true. Like Romans 6, 15 through 18 says, what then? Paul writes, shall we sin because we are no longer under the law but under grace? By no means. Do you know that when you offer yourselves to someone as obedient slaves, you are slaves of the one you obey. Whether you are slaves to sin, which leads to death, or to obedience, which leads to righteousness. But thanks be to God that though you used, you used to be slaves to sin, you have come to obey your heart, the pattern of teaching that has now claimed your allegiance. You have been set free from sin and have become slaves to righteousness. And then later in 1 Corinthians 7, 8, and 9, Paul writes, now to the unmarried and to the widows, I say, it is good for them to stay unmarried as I do, but if they cannot control themselves, they should marry. For it is better to marry than to burn with passion. So you see, again, the biblical sexual ethic is marriage is the solution to where sex is God's design. If you can't control yourself, get married. 
And so it, it, it does, it hurts my heart a little bit that this is, is, is part of our culture. That can I even expect? Yes, you can. Yes, you absolutely can. Gentlemen, you can fight that temptation and find victory over. We just sang songs about victory in Christ. If we can't find victory in Christ, then what the heck are we doing? It's a matter of are we putting ourselves in a position to find victory? Are we waging war on the sin that so easily entangles us? Or am I tolerating it and trying to control it and hide it so that no one finds out? And so young ladies, yes. Is it realistic to expect a man not to participate in pornography and masturbation? Absolutely. Because we're called as men of God to be set free from that sin. So we put ourselves around other men who are gonna fight for our purity with us, hold us accountable, that we can run this race with. Okay, so... Yes, and uh, no one's ever died from not having sex, and yes, you are capable of self-control with the power of the Holy Spirit, number one. Sweet, okay, next one. Is it okay to go on vacation alone with your boyfriend or girlfriend? No. (laughs) (laughs) So y'all ain't gonna like that. No, What's the one exception? What's that? What's the exception? If you're with your families. Like, that's fine. If you're with a big group of friends, that's fine. But let's just, do, let's just promise this. Take a picture of the whole group before you put it on Instagram. Like, before you just put you and her or him or whatever. Because here's what ends up happening. Is when we talk, and I'm gonna go back to 1 Corinthians 13. Love is patient. Love is uh, kind. It's not proud. It's, it's not dishonoring. It's not self-seeking. It's always protecting and when we go, when you or whoever goes on vacation with their significant other, it's just the two of them, everyone in the world is assuming something about that trip. Is that y'all are having sex on that trip. And so it's irregardless whether you are or whether you are not. Like number one, it's unwise to put yourself in a position of temptation like that, just by yourself. Number two, and I'll speak from a guy's perspective, we're not protecting the girl physically, and we're also not protecting her reputation. Because we're putting pictures out there that everyone is assuming, I shouldn't say everyone, a lot of people are assuming y'all are sleeping together on vacation. And so it's not honoring to either one. And you're setting yourselves up for temptation that I don't know how many people can say no to that over a four-day week in a romantic place. You know, I mean, it's like, so it's just, at, at, at minimum, it's unwise. But I think more than anything, it's, it's dishonoring to the person you're with because you're taking their re- reputation and saying, we'll sacrifice your reputation so we can get a good vacation together and a pic and let everybody know that we love each other. And so I would just say, man, I, I, I really think it's unwise uh, to do that. Okay, next one. What's the best way to show a guy you're interested without being too flirty? What do you think, Mesh? Ladies. What's your move? It is okay to flirt a little. <laughs> I think this is funny. I think it's uh, like a stigma kind of almost towards girls. And I think particularly if you were raised in the South, like I feel like you were taught to like be reserved and like sit, I don't know. That's at least how I was taught. Like Mary Ashton, like don't move. Um, but just like be like reserved and polite and all of these things. And I think there is a stigma that you would maybe seem like desperate or you're trying too hard or you're thirsty or whatever. If you're like being flirty with guys. And I think there is 
you know, that could happen if it's a lot of guys. But um, if there's someone you're interested in, I think it is totally fine. I actually know it's totally fine to engage in flirting. What does flirting mean? Mm, it's an interesting word. I'm not entirely sure. But I do think it's, like, you can show a guy that you're interested. And sometimes guys need that, right? Like, I recently learned that guys have insecurities, too. I just learned that a few years ago. And just this whole... Massive insecurities. Yeah. Massive. <laughs> massive insecurities. I just think I, for some reason, I was like, oh, they're just boys. They're fine. But they have insecurities, too. And so if you're interested in a guy, you think you might be interested in you, like, give him a little something. Like, yes, you can ask me out. Hello. Um, I think that's so great and totally fine and probably really helpful for guys. And I think what that could look like is the same thing we're telling them to do. Like, talk to them. Engage with them. If you're interested, it's okay for you to send a text and say, like, hey, it was great to see you today. Like, that's not too crazy um, or anything like that. So that's my thoughts on well, that. Well, and from a guy's perspective, like, yes, like, because we have insecurities, ladies, like, we, we can use a little encouragement, right? And, like, for me, when I was, when I was dating my wife uh, and we were kind of in that time of, like, do we like each other? Should we take this, like, you know, um, in a serious direction? Like, one of the things that she did for me that I didn't really think about at the time, like, cognitively, but... Now that I look back on it, I'm like, that was, that was her flirting. Whenever she would say hello to me or goodbye to me, she'd touch my arm. I said, hey, Andy, how you doing? And I'm like, yeah, super scandalous. Like, <laughs> but like, after the fact, talking to her, like, she was so nervous to do that. You know, because of all the insecurities move, yeah. you just said. Like, she didn't want to seem desperate or aggressive or whatever. But for me, it was like, okay, I'm not just shooting in the dark here. Like, she, okay. You know, so I think a little bit of, uh, I, think, I think it was Jay that mentioned this earlier, like, give a runway, give some runway lights, like, it's okay, all right, you know, come on, land the plane, and then try it, and then if it, it's a no-go, touch and go and fly off, okay, like, it, <laughs> like, it's okay to let your intentions, or your, like, it's okay, and just know that there is a chance where it might be a touch and go landing, right, you smiled at him across the room, and he, there's a blank stare, like, was that for, what? Oh gosh, this has got weird. Like, that might happen. But you know what? Trust the Lord. He's got it, okay? So, there you go. Yeah. <laughs> okay, next one. If a guy is not making the first move, is it okay for the girl to ask the guy out? Ooh, double scandal. Um, <laughs> <laughs> We're getting serious now. Yeah, so this is one of those things, like, is it okay? Like, sure, that's totally fine. Like, you can do that. You can ask a guy out. There's, that's not a sin. It's not a biblical mandate. It's one of those things that, like, kind of like we said earlier with the dating app, like, you got to just be careful with your heart in a sense of um, if you're the one doing the initiating the first time, second time, third time, fourth time, fifth time, like, that could eventually cause some problems. As the Bible talks about in Ephesians 5, that the man eventually, when it gets to marriage, supposed to love his wife as Christ loves the church and pursue her in those kinds of things. And so it could be hard. You could end up with a guy that's passive because you've done the work for him or who maybe wasn't in a position to date and you've asked him to, all those things. It's so, you totally can. I, it's, I think it comes down to that Ephesians 5.15 Well, thing, let's, let's talk about the other side of the coin there. Like, the, it, it could also work out well. Yeah. Right? Like maybe he's just really scared and really insecure. But once you say, hey, I would like to go on a date with you. Now he's like, all right, no, great. Let's do this. 
And that's, that's the, the little nudge and affirmation that he needed to get going. We've seen that happen. Yeah. You know, so like this, this is one of those things that there's a cultural stigma to girls asking guys out uh, and, you know, vice versa, like there's roles. And, you know, I'm a little bit more old fashioned. Like, again, that's just probably my generation of, I'll probably not encourage my daughter to like be asking guys out. I'm like, why don't you just wait, be patient. You know, and so to me, I think, Again, and this flies into, I think, just the natural tendency of guys um, in not such a strong way. Like, I think we go back to the Garden of Eden, all right? God gave Adam the instruction, all right? And when Satan came to tempt them, he was nowhere to be found, right? He, like, well, he was there. He heard, but he, did, he, he was absent, and he was passive, all right? Like, he didn't step into his role, like, God gave Adam the instruction, but when Satan tempted Eve, he didn't mention anything, he didn't say anything. And so I think you just gotta be very judicious and wise, uh, and this is, again, where your biblical community comes in, of like, hey, what do you think? Am I just being too impatient here? Am I just, like, what do you guys know? Like, what? And just get some prayerful biblical counsel in terms of what is your role in this situation? Because what you don't wanna end up doing, and again, this is worst case scenario, I'm a six, so I think about these things. Right? You do, what you don't want is to ask a guy out who's passive, and the rest of your life, you're gonna be dragging him along to do anything, right? So you gotta, be, you gotta watch and be like, is that who he is, or is that just this moment? And so again, it's just a discerning thing and, and, and a wisdom thing uh, to pray through and talk to your, your people about. Yep, okay. Why, guys, I feel like you're kinda getting dogged on on these questions. Girls, maybe send in more. Why do guys not ask girls out on dates? Let's move on. No, just kidding. <laughs> There's a lot of reasons. Uh, man, it is, it is hard to be a guy. It, it, it just is. You can all say amen if you want. It is. <laughs> because there is some cultural expectation that, you, that we're supposed to you know, do all the thinking. Like, like, there's just a lot of pressure. And I don't know about you guys, but I didn't grow up in middle school and high school taking a class on how to pursue a woman. Right? Well, they don't offer those. Like, we're just supposed to know because we're a man. You know, like, but, and all of a sudden, there's some built-in pressure. There's insecurities. What if she says no? Right? My pride and my ego are at stake here. Like, that's a big deal for guys. Like, I'm, I'm, I'm a guy. I, like, I wanna, I'm gonna put myself out there. What if she says no? And so I think a lot of it is probably just insecurity. A lot of it is fear. And that's why I think, to me, roll back a little bit, like, some of that flirting is actually really helpful to maybe relieve uh, a little bit of pressure and say, hey, I'm, I'm gonna help you and let you know that I, I like talking to you and I like spending time with you and so that it makes it a little bit easier for him to do that because um, it's, it's just hard. Uh, I, there's just a lot, of, a lot of pressure that comes along with it. So, um, And I think yeah. too sometimes like guys are scared that girls, girls, we're crazy. You know we are. That like we, that when they ask us that. out, that they, like, I think I've heard guys say this, that they think we'll, like, want to marry them. Like, that they, that's what we think they're saying when they ask us out on a date. And so, like, that the second that they ask us out, we're, like, already putting our first name with their last name. And it's, like, this, like, fear of, like, they got to be sure that they want to date you because of the intensity that has, like, built in our culture, particularly, particularly Christian culture, of just this, like, two dates, he's the one. 
like just this like super intensity thing. And so I think there is that level of fear and like we can help with bringing that down and making things not casual. Yeah, like I talked about that sense, last week with the guys. Like, be clear and be intentional without yeah. the intensity. And I think girls on the same, like, exactly what you're saying. I think that's really good is, like, girls just slow down a little bit. Just because he asks you out doesn't mean he's ready to, you know, buy a house and have kids and move, you know, whatever. Like, just have fun. Like, enjoy getting to know somebody. And I would say this. If a guy does ask you out, be gentle, but be swift, Okay. Like, be clear, like, hey, I'm not interested. Or like, man, thank you. I would, really, I would really like that. Like, be clear to him. Affirm him. And if you, especially if the answer is a no on the first date or second or whatever. Um, and I, I, I'm probably jumping ahead here, reaction, I think. But affirm him and say, hey, I really appreciate the way you've pursued me. It's, made, it's really made me feel uh, honored and that kind of thing. Like, so that he is not afraid to do it again another time. And so... Anyway, why do, why do they not ask out? They're, we're insecure. We're a ball of fear and, and insecurity. So just be gentle and kind and be patient. Yep. Okay. We kind of already touched on this one, but how do you know if a guy or girl is interested in you? When they tell you they're interested in you. Right. Yeah. That's what I was going to say. I have a friend who always says, she's like, a boy doesn't like you until he tells you he likes you. And I'm like, yeah, that's a good, that's a good rule of thumb there. Because girls, like, I'm sure guys do this too, but it's like, it's easy to be like, what was that? Like, did you see, he was like, he totally talked to me and then he kept walking and then, oh my gosh, he's coming back. Like, we just like go through all these phases of like, did that mean something? Like, is there something there? Is there not? Like, we, we do all this stuff. And so it's the same Going thing Going back with, to the question of why guys have a hard time asking girls out. It's true. We're, I, I'm just, I feel like I'm speaking right there. for that the was ladies. It. That was it. As a whole, but you can correct me later if I'm wrong. But um, it's the same thing. Second Corinthians 10.5. Like, we have to take those thoughts captive until a boy is like, I would like to date you. And you're like, oh, okay. That's good to know. It's good information to know. And the same thing, like, on the flip side, like, until you know that, like, we can't take that to that elevation. So just taking people at their word. Uh, next one. How do you handle a situation when you like somebody and they ask out one of your close friends or when a friend calls dibs on a guy or girl? Dibs. I think we hit a chord right there. That's happened. Yeah, it has. Sounds like it might be happening right now. <laughs> might be. Don't lean over and call dibs. Um, I, yeah, again, I don't think we necessarily are like dibs, but I think it's like pretty normal for girls especially to be like having dinner as a group of friends and being like, you know, everyone's talking and someone's like, so I kind of, I'm kind of interested in blank. And another girl's like, oh no, we're talking like that. And you're like, oh, so like, are you guys going on dates or are you communicating? And they're like, no, but I'm, I'm, he, I'm interested in him. And it's just like this, like, whoa. Like, and I think as girls, guys, all of us, like we have got to stop doing this in a sense of, this is a big room of young adults, but at the same time, there are not that many God-loving, fearing, running after Jesus young adults. There is a great chance, probably already happened, great chance some of you in here are gonna date the same people as some of you in here. And that has to be okay. And that's that same thing of why we date in a way that is honorable, um, in a way that honors the Lord. Like, we gotta be okay with that and not make it weird um, in a sense of, if your friend likes a guy that you went on a couple dates with a year ago, that's gotta be okay. Not like, no, 
that's a no-go. If it was like a serious relationship, you dated for a year and it was a really painful breakup, that's a conversation you want to have with your friend prior to going on a date with him. But I think um, as a culture, a Christian culture especially, like we got to get a little better at the dibs thing. Well, and, and guys, we, we kind of called the bro code. Like, you know, if, if a guy went out with this gal, like she's off limits uh, to any of the other guys in the group. I'm like, you know what? At the same, and I agree with Mary Ashley, like depending on the length of the relationship, if it's one or two dates, you know, that's different than if it's a one or two year relationship. But I think in the end, the biblical principle here is Romans 12, 10. Like honor, go outdo one another in showing honor. And if we date that way, then you know what? If it doesn't work out, then we can go date somebody else and it's, it's not a big deal. You know, the other, the other scripture I thought of was, was Philippians 2, 3, and 4. It says, in humility, value others above yourselves, not only looking out for your interests, but for the interests of others. And so, man, let's not stifle everyone else's uh, possibility of dating just because we are insecure about losing that opportunity to date. Does that make sense? So, yeah. Not gonna so take that drink. drink of water. <laughs> okay, so that was all of our main questions, but now we're gonna do something fun called rapid fire. In a sense of we're just gonna answer a couple of them really fast. Um, just so that we get through as many as we can. But these ones are pretty brief. Uh, we're gonna go through them fast and then we're gonna be done. Thanks for hanging in there with us. Um, number one, Andy said to pursue godly people through friendship with the hope of dating. Can you talk more about how to transition? friendship into dating. How can I ask a girl out I'm friends with without it being a surprise to her? Uh, ask her on a date not to hang out. Beautiful. Then, then, then we're clear that we're moving from friendship to maybe something else. The hangout, that's friendship zone. Just be clear, ask her out on a date, and that verbiage should be very clear. Yeah, also I will say this. I have never met a girl that was like angry about being asked out on a date. It's usually like a great day. If you get asked out on a date, even if like... Even if you're not interested? Yeah, even if you're not interested or you don't want to go, like it's probably one of the highest forms of flattery to like be chosen and asked out on a date. So I would just say like at some point, just go for it. Go for Ask it. Ask them on a date. Let's do it. All right, the next one is, uh, is there a biblical foundation for the term soulmate or the idea of looking or waiting for the one? No, there's not. Soulmate is not in the Bible. Um... And the reality is we could probably, there's probably plenty of people in here that could marry plenty of people in here um, that love Jesus and are pursuing him. Is there the concept that like you could maybe get there in a sense that God knows who you're going to marry? So there is one in that sense in his sovereignty, but that is something way beyond our comprehension. Isaiah 55, 19 and 20 says his ways are higher than our ways and his thoughts are higher than our thoughts. It's so lofty that we can't even understand that. And so that's not something we can like sit around, sit around and wait for the one to like appear like a Hallmark movie. Probably not going to happen that way. Um, the, the, here, here's how I frame that. Like I moved to Oklahoma uh, in 2001. If I hadn't moved to Oklahoma, was I destined to be single the rest of my life? I don't believe so because I wanted to be married. And so wherever I moved, I would have pursued a young lady who loved the Lord and was following after Jesus. And I probably would have married somebody else if I didn't move to Oklahoma, where I met my wife now. And so the one is the one that you marry. When you walked out that aisle, that's the one. And so I think sometimes when we do get, like, a lot of people think, well, when we get married, we find out like, oh no, I married the wrong one. No, you didn't. That's who you married, that's the one. And so, yeah, there's no biblical concept for that idea, but there is that you marry one. 
Okay, do guys or girls tend to have a type of girl or guy they're interested or just qual? they're interested in or just qualities that they are looking for? I would say um, this, I mean, obviously this is just from observation and talking with people is I think most people believe they have a type. They're like, this is the, if you look at all my, you know, high school dating pictures, there's a type, you know, like whatever, athletic, blonde, whatever, you know, whatever. But the ironic thing is Match.com doesn't agree with this. Back in 2010, they, they did a, a study looking at what people said they wanted to date and who they ended up with, and there was zero correlation. Basically, what they learned was people don't know what they want. And so, is there a type? I think we all believe we have a type. Do you have one type? No, you don't. Like, <laughs> I've told my wife this many times. In high school, we would not have been friends. Like, we, she wouldn't have liked me, and I probably would have made fun of her. So, like, like, like it was just, in our immaturity, like, that's not it. But as we matured, guess what? My... my sight was broadened to be like, okay, there's more to life than the peripheral things that I see. And so, yeah, I think we, we, we want to have a type. I think it makes it easier, makes it more in control, but science and all the observation I've seen would say, no, that's not true. Okay. How can we honor a guy or girl well while saying no to a date or a second date or breaking it off? Um, and we, Andy kind of touched on this before, but I think it's an awesome opportunity to honor one another, to infirm, to encourage. And I would just say from a girl's perspective, girls, if you get asked on a date and you don't want to go or you don't want to go on a second date or whatever it is, take that as an opportunity to say, hey, listen, you did whatever they did well, well, and encourage the heck out of them. Say, I am so honored, flattered, encouraged by the fact that you came up to me in person and you asked me on a date, that you um, picked me up. Like all those things I think are an awesome opportunity to just encourage each other. And guys, same thing, like as brothers Like and literally, in like Christ. just say, you did a good job. Like it's not, you didn't, you didn't mess this up. You did mm-hmm. a good job. I think that just, that, maybe those words. Yeah, totally. Would, would be really helpful for guys like, okay, all right, I'm rejection, but I did a good job. I can move on with my ego intact. You know, like, like that's, yeah, that, the, the affirmation part's good. What, uh, let's see, make sure I get this right. Um, oh, how, how do you discern um, when it's time in the relationship to bring up moving forward to engagement and marriage? Not sure, never been there. Well, <laughs> what I would say is when you're thinking about that, it's time to bring it up. Like when you are thinking like, a couple days, you know, you've been on a couple days, you're like, man, I, I, I could see, I could see this. And you're sitting with that. I'm not saying like, now some of you are on like the first date and you're like, uh, I could see this. Happen. No, no, not the time to bring that up. I'm talking down the road. Like when you're like, hey, this is going really well. And that's when we talk about, you need to ask for some clarity. Like, hey, can we talk kind of about where we're going here? Because I'm really enjoying hanging out with you. I like where this is going. But can we maybe in the next week or so? And, like, what, I, and what I mean by that is like, you need to allow them the time to think about this. Like, uh, don't spring the conversation that you've been thinking about for a month on someone who this is a brand new thought to them. Like, that's an unfair discussion. And so give them a, a little time to prime the pump of like, where's this going and can we talk about that? Yeah, absolutely, I'd love to. Let's do that this weekend. Let's find some time to do that. So when you start thinking about it and it's on your mind more often than it used to be, it's probably time for some clarity on where this is going. Uh Uh-huh, okay. (laughs) Two more. How much should you talk about um, your current sin struggle with a significant other? How much should you talk about your current sin struggle with your significant other? I think... 
Um, here, this gets, I mean, when it, when it comes to sexual sin struggles, I think that's a bit of a different topic because it's a little bit more intimate, obviously. Um, in marriage, it's gonna look a little bit different, but in general, what I would say is this. Um, we need to be an open book and say, hey, this is who I am, but you're, the person you're dating does not need to be your accountability person. Like, that is super unhealthy. Like, you need to find somebody, guys, you need to find a guy, gals, you need to find a gal that says, hey, this is who I am, this is what I'm dealing with. Um, and as it gets more serious, the, real, the, the conversations you have in a relationship get more serious. Like, we have becoming one here at Crossings where people who are thinking about getting, who are engaged, like, I've gotten to the point where I'm like, if you're seriously dating, go take that class. Like, you need to have some conversations and flesh out some things before the ring is on the finger. Because once the ring is on the finger, a lot of those conversations stop happening because now you're in marriage mode. You're planning the wedding and all the conversations that you should have had when you were seriously dating, now you don't have time to have because you got a deadline to make and reservations to make. And so I think as you grow closer, as you get more serious, uh, sin struggle should be a part of the conversation. Now, I, my wife and I, we talk about this stuff. I talk with other men about this. Like The question is, is this, when it comes to especially like sexual history, like what you, where you've uh, been, who you've dated, you know, what, what you, you took part in, all that stuff, the question then becomes is like, is this helpful? Are details helpful? Like a lot of times they're probably not helpful because they're just gonna open up new wounds and new insecurities. And so yes, be willing to share it if that's what they wanna know. But also if you're asking or you're wanting to know, you need to ask yourself, why do I wanna know that? Do I need to know that? Is that gonna be edifying and helpful for me as we move forward? Or is a general idea of like, hey, you know, I had a pornography addiction when I was 19 years old, um, and this is what that's looked like for my life, right? Like, my wife needs to know that. Like, she needs to know that that's part of my history. Now, does she need to know everything I've ever looked at my entire life? Probably not helpful, right? But my guys know. Like, my small group of guys, like, those are the guys that I talk to about that because that is helpful. Does that make sense? Does that make sense? Mm -hmm. So, I mean, it, you just gotta be really judicious in that and, and make sure that um, you're not oversharing or you're not just digging for details just because a lot of times the, the details of that are not appropriate in the, in the, da in the dating uh, season. Yeah. Are we doing number 13? Yeah. Yeah, we are. I was trying to kind of dodge it. I'm not gonna lie to you. Um, what are girls looking for in guys? Real question is, what are guys looking for in girls, right? What are guys looking for? I don't know. Guys, that's a great question, and there are probably close to 275 of you in here, and the answer to that question is different for every single one of you. <laughs> so, like, it's a great question, but part of that, a lot, a lot of these conversations are great conversations to have with people in your small groups over coffee and say, what are you looking for? How can I help you find that? Right? As you evaluate the people that you meet, the people you're going on dates with, the people that are asking you out, like th this is it. Like This is the question you ask your best girlfriend. Like, Well, what are you actually looking for? Because I think a lot of us, we actually have never stopped to think about, what am I actually looking for? Like We've used this phrase multiple times. Like, we're not just looking for a good time, we're looking for a lifetime. And those are two different things. Right? So this is a good question to ask your friends who are dating. What are you actually looking for? What are the, the, the non-negotiables for you? 
When you think about marriage for a lifetime, what are the non-negotiables that they have to have? You know, faith in Christ. Uh, they wanna have children or not have children. Like, those are real questions. You know, do you, are you okay if we live anywhere or do we have to stay here? Like, those are all questions you gotta ask and you can help each other um, flesh those out so that as you evaluate in the dating scene, it's not, you're not just pushing all in on something you have no idea what you're even betting on. Yeah, and I would say on that too, like girls, guys, all of us, like hold to that. Like if you set those standards, those things you're looking for, those um, just I guess what you're looking for in a guy or a girl, do not compromise just when somebody comes along that's gonna give you attention. Um, that is such a big thing. Like you need to remember that you are a chosen daughter, son of the king of the universe. And it is worth waiting for what he has planned for you and what is best, not just what is convenient. Which means you're, like I said, week three, if you need to listen to it, go back and listen to week three of this series. That's when we talk about who you should date. That means there's gonna be a lot of people that go right on by. They're cute, they're funny, they're attractive, but you just need to let them go by because that's not what you're looking for, right? Because you're looking for a lifetime, not a good time. So anyway, um, hope that was helpful. We had a lot of fun talking about it. And, and, and as we close out this series, and we close out this semester, um, our heart for this whole series is that we wanna help you walk through this season of life because we know it is a pressure cooker. We literally almost called the series the pressure cooker because that's what it is. We feel that. And I, when I talk to you, I feel that. When Mary Ashton talks to you, we feel that. And so hopefully what this series has done is given you some really practical biblical tools and some really practical biblical wisdom on how to evaluate this season of your life and do it in a way that honors the Lord and honors one another. Um, if you have further questions, man, we will be available afterwards. Uh, if you have more specific questions that we didn't get to, man, Mary Ashton would love, all the ladies, take your questions to Mary Ashton. Guys, take them to me. And we would love to help you uh, because we want you to be married well. But to be married well, we have to date well. So let me pray for us and then uh, we'll be done. God, I wanna thank you uh, just for this, this week. Thank you for this season. God, thank you for the season of singleness. God, that some of us, you are working diligently on uh, sanctifying us and growing us and maturing us in our faith um, right now while we're single so that when we do get married, God, that we will um, be prepared for that day in that, in that new life. God, I pray that as we move forward as Christians, as followers of Jesus, that we would date in a way that honors <coughs> and serves one another. God, that we would put our own selfish desires aside for the, the sake of one another. God, help us uh, with the wisdom that we need. I pray that you'd put people around us. God, give us the humility to listen to wise counsel um, as we prepare our hearts uh, for a lifetime. God, thanks for relationships and for all the stuff that comes with it. In your son's name, amen.